You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Okay, so I have the details in front of me. 33-2, 29 by way of knockouts. Those are just numbers. Where do you think you are at this stage of your career? I think I am the best middleweight fighter on the planet at this moment, yeah. Wow. What, what do you think, what do you attribute it to? Um, because, you know, we, we've had a time through our run to, to, to watch or even watch film on the Muhammad Ali's mm-hmm. of the world, right? And, mm-hmm. and now and then Mike Tyson and his run. Yeah. And now it's Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. uh, and yourself. When you start thinking about those group of men, and that's greatness, mm-hmm. where do you put yourself in that category? Well, you put yourself in a category even before you set out. I think when we first put on our first pair of gloves, we set out to be the best even before we even see our first fight. You know, it's just that's what you do when you in combat. You want to be the best. No one could defeat you. And boxing has slowly but surely created my mentality to be so strong that mind over matter is just like that for me now. You know, I, I feel like I've... I've uh, done diligence with learning how to scope my mind in a way that it benefits me in the clutch moments or at times where I really need it. And those aren't just cliches in your life because you beat cancer. Absolutely. So let's go through the details. Take us back to the diagnosis. Were you feeling sluggish? How did you learn that you had something serious yet overcome? So it was very weird because it happened to me actually when I was overseas. I was on a USO tour for the troops and I was in Iraq. Upon this, uh, during this uh, trip, I realized that I started to get weak in my legs and I started walking funny. Boxers tend to walk funny when they're not training because they kind of related to being weak. So I just thought I was weak for a while. But I actually got sick and I couldn't finish the tour. So upon my arrival, we realized that it was something so severe because I started to not being able to walk. And when I went to the doctor and they did a series of tests and the MRI revealed that it was worse than what we all thought. It was a huge tumor that wrapped itself around my spine. And by that time, which was like a week later, uh, coming back from Iraq, I was paralyzed. So I went from limping to a crutch, to cane, to a walker, to wheelchair. It was it was devastating. When you think about those moments of adversity, yeah, because we all find it in some capacity, not maybe to the extent, yeah. but in some way, whether it's through our families, whether it's through school, whether it's through relationships, sure. it's that what you draw from when it comes down to competing and running and, and training and getting yourself prepared for the next fight. Yes, of course, because you realize how important that muscle that you have in your head is. The brain. The brain is so powerful. It's stronger than any physical body, uh, part that you have on your body. If you can train the mind to do what it needs to do when it needs to do it, then you can be so superior in all columns of life. It's not just sports or whatever the case may be. And that's what I found to work for me through my experiences. That's why I'm able to share it so easily because it's a trial and error that, you know, you get to not have by my experience, you know. Daniel Jacobs is our guest on TuneIn. I'm from New York City. I went to high school in the Bronx. Uh, Brooklyn, actually. I, I'm from Oh, you Bronx. went to yeah, the Bronx. a long time oh. ago. So I fought my way out of the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't go to Brooklyn. Tell Cordell <laughs> what it means to be from Brownsville. Whoa. Uh, well, you see how you said that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's Mike Tyson was raised there. Mike Tyson was born there. He had a hard time. He used to get bullied in Brownsville. Did you so, get bullied? Did you get bullied, Brian? Me? Yeah. No, I, I ran quickly. Of course quickly. you did not. <laughs> I was fleet of foot. They yeah. couldn't catch me. I was running to the library. So, no, I grew up in one of the toughest neighborhoods. And it's still a tough neighborhood 
it's gotten Brooklyn, slightly better. Slightly better. I remember Brooklyn. what it was like in the early nineteen eighties. Yeah, no, forget about it, night and day. But still, it was one of the hardest, toughest neighborhoods. I mean, I've seen things I wasn't supposed to see as a kid. You know, it's a gift and a curse because you mature a little bit faster. You have street smarts and you're able to make decisions on the fly, like a New Yorker, like you know, real fast. Uh, but the curse is that you know, it kind of takes the innocence away from your childhood and. You know, you don't really get a chance to experience the happiness that you could see. So is that why boxing became something that you can allow whatever that frustration or whatever it is to be close to you to where now, you know, it's as we say in football, it's controlled chaos. Yeah. You know, it's between you and the person in front of you, yeah. knowing that how you grew up, probably that's what you had to do every day. Yeah. If not every day, every other day to every week, because I know my father we, from New Orleans, he uh-huh. grew up in the projects. Right. Fighting was the thing, yeah. you know, to survive. Sure. You had to let him know what it was with the hands. Nowadays, yeah. we know it's different. Yeah. But is that why you're, you're a part of the, the boxing world now? big reason why but the the biggest reason is because i got bullied in brownsville being in public school a big bully was picking on everybody and i guess it was my turn to get picked on i stood up for myself and we got in trouble i said you know what we should do this thing the right way i found out he was going to the local pal where he was taking on boxing classes i said there it is we can do this the right way like young men put on gloves not fighting in school not picking up weapons or anything of the sort and we did it the right way but what I found was that I fell in love with the sport my very first time going there. I beat him up the second day there. He never returned, and I stuck with it. So I want to thank the bully for allowing me to uh, have such huge dreams and ambitions after being picked on. And that's why they call it the sweet side. Yes, there's exactly. a lot of greatness that's able to be achieved when you climb inside the ring. Chatting yeah. with Daniel Jacobs, tell us about your Get in the Ring Foundation and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, it's simple. Like you know, this second chance that I have. I want to be able to do uh, as much positive in the community as I can. Uh, I'm a survivor, and I know that that means something. It's not me, Daniel Jacobs, that means something, but it's what what it symbolizes. It's what my story symbolizes, and I know it's bigger. And I have to get it out to the world, and that's why I'm here, to spread the message. We help kids with cancer. Uh, We adopt families because I know through and through the physical, financial, mental damage that cancer can bring to a family. So we're in a position now to where we can help out families. And we go to different hospitals, particularly the hospital that gave me my second chance in New York, uh, where we do superhero parties uh, for the kids with cancer and things of that nature. We have so many different things, but if people want to find out about uh, what we do, and how they can contribute or how they can find out more information, they can go to our website, uh, www.getintheringnet or our social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, IG. So it is G-I-R Knockout. So all those hashtags you can put in, you can see exactly what we do with our foundation, even if you recommend it to someone who you think may need the assistance. It's all about spreading the word and doing a good deed because this world needs change and cancer needs to come to an end once and for all. Well, my mom and dad had it, and, and unfortunately, they lost mom at 11, lost my dad. And uh, what was it, 2000, what is this, 18, 2011, Sorry, yeah, I ended up losing him. Um, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing yeah. at all. But, but this is what I'll say uh, to what you're doing. When is your next fight? April 28th. So I did this really huge deal with HBO where I'm exclusive HBO fighter now. I'm only solely going to be fighting on their network. And HBO, 
Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. Oh, I'm Brooklyn a Brooklyn boy. <laughs> so I'm going to be representing in my hometown of Brooklyn, and it's going to be special. Yeah. We'll Thank be you. watching. Now, Thank tell you. Cordell the people from the Bronx are tough, too, because he gives me a hard time about being <laughs> no. kind of suburban guy. Yeah, well, no, the boogie know, down Bronx. Here's the thing, Daniel. Here's the thing, sir. Here's the thing. He mentions the Bronx. Uh, money earning Mount Vernon. Uh-huh. Then he hits me with Stanford. <laughs> then he hits well, me with Well, I got out of the Bronx. That's the goal. That's what you Daniel's know? doing as well. So in other sure. words, he ran full speed. You know, he didn't, all the way to California. All the way, I mean, he ran so far. He, he, Not he, that far. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you never lose to New York in you. Right. And that can be an asset wherever the road sure. takes you. Yep. Great to meet you. Thanks and congratulations on your inspirational journey. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys giving yep. me this platform. Thank you. Yep. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.